Hello, everyone. Well, hello, everyone, as I drip coffee on my notes. You protected your Bible with yes. your notes. Yes, indeed. Although some people go for that, you know, aged, That's artsy. Look. Yeah. Then I'd have it on Pinterest. I used to do that with um, things. Pinterest too many times this morning. So. Just twice. Is that too many times? It's too many times. I used to do that with things. You dip a piece of paper in, like, tea. Oh, yeah. Make yeah. it look old and then you crumple it. Yeah, I was cool. a weird child. Uh, Adrian did that with one of our banners at church a few years back oh, when we did I, the singing of Christmas yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. I just did it stuff. for fun as a kid because I was strange. Yeah, well, you know. Some things never change. It's a good kind of strange. Is it? Yeah, normal's overrated. Probably true. Normal's for the week. <laughs> the week. We were just talking before the podcast about holiday foods that restaurants have. Good and times. Rich informed me of a 1980s special that McDonald's had called mm. a Peppermint Sunday. So I looked it up. Now I'm I, feeling wistful and nostalgic. Not only did they have a Peppermint Sunday, they had an eggnog milkshake. I don't believe they still have that. I you don't know. You know what they have now that's nasty? I was heartbroken when the Peppermint Sunday went away. Well, I don't know why that went away. They also had chicken nuggets with holiday orange dipping sauce, which doesn't even sound that good to me, but the fact that it's it is good. holiday good. orange dipping sauce, I yeah. want it. Also, now they have... You just put holiday in it. Put holiday in it, and I am in. I am yeah. a marketer's dream. Um, <laughs> they have those holiday pies, and they're nasty. Um, have you ever had one? Is it the custardy one? Yeah, but it's got like red and green sprinkles in it. I don't want I have. that. It, it was all right. No. Yeah, it was, it, and they even changed... I don't think any of the pies are what they used to be. The pumpkin's not bad. The, the pumpkin's Well, not the thing bad. is, they used to fry their apple pies and, and now they bake them. that's when it was better. Mm-hmm. Stop trying to be healthy. It's dessert. You're also, it's McDon- already you're not also healthy. McDonald's. You're McDonald's, right? <laughs> it's If I'm getting it through a drive-thru... Right. I'm probably not looking for right. super healthy. I want it to be good. Yes. So when it's more expensive than it used to be and not as good. For those of you who are old enough to remember the fried pies. Fried pies. There's just no comparison. Like there's no reason you can't do it. You're frying the fries. Fry the pies. I don't. Uh, maybe not in the I same thing. I don't know. Thing, maybe, their, maybe their marketing division said, hey, this is what people want. But no, it's they're not. They're wrong. If you're going to McDonald's, I don't want a baked pie. Right. If I wanted a baked pie, I'd make one at home. If you want baked pies, you know, you go to some place, speaking of the past, like Baker Square. And obviously so many people Does wanted that still it that exist? they're out of business. So, oh. you know, that's... I know, totally um, forgot about Baker Square. I think they're out of business. I know they're, cl- they're all the ones around here are closed. So I, I think totally forgot closed, about ba- so. Baker Square. It was good you stuff. know what I used so, to like? Boston. It was one of the only places that I got pies at restaurants because I don't, normally don't like well, pie at restaurants. They're also ridiculously expensive. They're not as good as what I get at home. Right. You know, you know what else was also good? Uh, Bo- Boston Market. I used to like that. Is that still around? Nope. Out of business? Yep. Did Kenny Rogers buy them? Or did they buy Kenny Rogers? Is that a like, joke that I'm not getting? No. I think, oh. I think Kenny Rogers Chicken and, and Boston Market, I think they merged somehow. Or, I, I don't know. Kenny I Rogers know. has what chicken? Kenny Rogers is dead. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler I mean, alert. he's probably having all the chicken he wants now. If, you know, if, I, I know. think he said. A, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's I, a hard candy Christmas. He's made a anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's one of many who's made a profession of faith, but uh, what's her face? I, I have no idea. I don't know him personally. Patty Le, Pat, no, Patty Labelle. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I always can confuse Patty Lapone and Patty Labelle, and they are not the same person. I don't know who Patty Lapone is. You would if you saw a Broadway singer. You know her. Why would I know a Broadway singer? Big nose, big uh, like she's got a very distinct voice. 
You would know every star. Um, Stars you know like, Patty Labelle. Sounds like Barbara Streisand. I don't know so what's the difference. You know Patty Labelle. Yes, of course I know Patty Labelle. She remember like a couple of years ago when everybody went nuts for her sweet potato pie at Walmart. Uh, oh yeah, I do actually. Yeah. Celebrities. I didn't have it, but you know. I didn't either. I'm making a sweet potato pie tomorrow. Patty Labelle. She you know started out in church choirs. I'm. I was very. This is for me, not you. I was very <laughs> surprised and pleased to see the people that were in the choir yesterday. Yeah, it was good. I, I enjoyed it. It was. We're a, having a church choir here. It's a good time, and whenever we can, you know, there are things that I think we lose in the world when we we work so hard to innovate. We want to make church hip and cool and all these and, and society in general. And, and so we're not. We want to make everything. Well, that's super true for youth groups and, and everything else. When we, you know, we're trying to compete with the world to entertain, but we weren't called to entertain. We were called. We we're called to be the body of Christ. And if you're talking, if you're trying to draw teenagers with your entertainment, there's always going to be better opportunities in secular entertainment because that's why they exist. Right. There's money there. They're doing all kinds of things. So when we try to make Christianity cool, all we do is water down the truth and, and end up wrecking Christianity. And I'm, I'm not saying you know things should be dour and miserable and not have fun. We have plenty of fun, right? But let's be who we are and Weirdos. remember why we exist. Right. And and as a church, when we you know we we spent the last few weeks here looking at reforming the church and and rediscovering the word and rethinking our worship and. Yesterday we talked about reprioritizing the body. Yes, we are podcasting on Monday today, so mm-hmm. I don't know when y'all are going to see this, but or hear it. But it the uh, magic of the internet. But here, here we are on Monday recording, and that's uh, why my eyes are like halfway it, closed. It's yeah. It's, <laughs> anyway, as we're um, a cold Monday, you know, as we're looking at these things, it it all goes together. You know, it, right. in the 16th century, as they rediscovered the the primacy of God's word. They also then rediscover the word itself, and so when you when you look at the fact that scholars, uh, clergy had not actually read or studied significant parts of the of the Bible, like Luther hadn't studied the New Testament. I'm sure he was, you know he was familiar with it, but through what was, what he was taught rather than studying it for himself. And so when he began to really come into a connection with God's word. It changed everything for him, and that happened on a grand scale as all of the events of that time uh, came together in this confluence of history, Gutenberg's uh, movable type, and, and all of these things that allowed for mass production of the scriptures, uh, the the revolutionary mindset that the political situation had created, where uh, people were tired of oppression and fear, and so they were ripe for these things. And all of it came together at the same time, so that when God's Word and the Spirit of God through His Word lit a spark, everything just went you know, like wildfire. And so it wasn't Luther that lit that spark, it was the Lord. Luther may have been holding the match, but he's not the one that lit it. So as, as that happened, they began to realize, wait, we got to do God's thing God's way. 
And they didn't get it all right. And there were lots of, you know, ups and downs and lots of negatives that came from it. And there were bloody wars fought in the name of Christ, you know, which seems ridiculous in hindsight. But every stupid thing we do, every sinful thing we do seems ridiculous in hindsight. Right. It's when you're in it, they have a hard time. And so I get pr- pretty perturbed with the uh, the bias the of modernity. You know, as we look at, you know, our whatever we're doing now is wiser than whatever right. anybody did before, right. you know. So, oh, how dare those people be so foolish as to be racists and slave owners and all those things. Absolutely, we we get that. That's a horrible thing and should have been uh, when it was happening. obvious. Right. But things are always obvious when you're not in it, you know. Mm-hmm. If, if that weren't the case, people wouldn't end up having affairs and regretting it later. But in the moment... It seems like the best thing to them. Or you wouldn't be doing it. And you look at it afterwards or from outside and say, man, are you stupid? What, how, did, how did you think this was going to go, right? But we all do that. Anyway, so as we're talking about you know things like the entertainment idea, we want to make things. This all started from the choir, right? So, you know. <laughs> it didn't start from pie. Pie. <laughs> <laughs> Blissful and nostalgic again. Anyway, we need sound effects. You know, <laughs> like a little bubble yeah. above your head. <laughs> uh, but as we're... Uh, if anyone wants an editing position. You know, you're doing music for the uh, village yes. Christmas tree lighting, lighting thing. It's a Hallmark snowflake movie. Snowflake Stroll. Snowflake Stroll. Yeah. It used to be... It was the Christmas Parade. Then it was the Peppermint Parade. Then it was the Christmas Parade again. Now it's the Snowflake Well, because it's a business thing, too. Yeah. People are strolling. Yeah. So I will not be strolling. But but in all of this, it, you know, we're working to keep things fresh and new and you know, all all these different things that we try to do. And every person that comes out with a Christmas album, right? Mm-hmm. You gotta do some new spin. So you can to take an old standard and make it, you know, you know Can I tell you what the worst thing is? Somebody did a remade version. This was a big thing two years ago when everyone was up in arms about it. Baby, it's cold outside. Okay. There are a lot of versions of that now. Which is but. fine. Go ahead. That's what Christmas songs are for. Yeah. The, but the when hashtag me too song. But. but when you are... But that's exactly it. So they changed the words to make it like, I really can't stay. Okay, I'm fine with that. Go. <laughs> <laughs> was this a parody? No, or, it was a legit thing. It, it sounds satirical. And, but. and if people would just listen to the song and the tone. There's a thing called tone. And the song is not a non-consensual situation. It's a flirtatious and teasing back and forth oh, see, song. Stop it. I don't want to go off on another <laughs> I tangent. I don't either, but, but stop it. the reality it. is that doesn't apply to men. So if, if a man is flirtatious, that no, is harassment. But the woman in the song is flirtatious. She's the one saying... Well, maybe you just did another drink right. or whatever. She's the flirtatious if, if, one. If the man tries to pursue, then that's It's not a non-consensual so, song. If you ask someone out... Quit it. <laughs> all masculinity is toxic masculinity <gasps> in the uh, world. That, that discussion we makes were me not so talking mad. About that. I know, but, I'm but sorry. But we do, you know, we do kind of try to, to redo things, right? And so yes. people, especially around the holidays, there is a there's a general craving for the nostalgic. Mm. You know, that's why... You know the Hallmark movies are become super popular. They're, I mean, Even though we all know how they're, they're all going to right. right. It's the same plot, right. so they're they're regularly fairly popular. And then the holiday season comes in, and whether it has anything to do with Christmas at all, 
or it just has snow in the backdrop. Right. You know, the back or they're making cookies. It, right. right. Yeah, that's most of these things don't have anything to do with actual Christmassy right. things. And, right. And it's just you're, winter. You're not talking about price for <laughs> right. sure, but. Uh, but the the feelings of nostalgia. People go back and watch old musicals. You watch mm-hmm. the old Bing Crosby specials. You know the, you know listen to Perry Como. Right. You know people watch it, It's a Wonderful Life. Every all year. of all of these things, that there's there's something about it that mm-hmm. draws us back to something that's traditional and wholesome for the most part. Uh, even things like Christmas Story, which I believe it or not, I've never seen. Uh, as a child of the '80s, it seems odd, but it came Especially out. Especially since it was like a, based in Indiana. No, well, it came out at a time when I was not going to go see it, probably. And now that I'm an adult, I've tried to watch it a few times, and it does not appeal to me at all. Um, but the even with that, you're hearkening back to childhood. Right. There's a there's a nostalgic look at the time. You're going back to that, the Sandlot. You know, you're you're drawing back to that. And yet we try to make things cool and new all, all, all the time. And what we end up doing is losing the value of those traditional aspects. So, you know, we're having our carol sing that we're going to do as a church. That's not normal for us to do that. It's not, you know, we're not, um, we're not, we're by no means a cutting edge kind of, you know, hip church, not even close and no desire to be that. We just are what we are. But this is something that, I think the community needed for us to to do the things that we used to do in olden times when people from different churches and families would get together and we'd sing Christmas carols and we'd read scriptures and you'd have community events and people would have some hot chocolate or whatever. Um, when we have things like the choir at church, which we, is, not, again, not normal for us. We do that every once in a while. Um, it's a great chance for us to get together, to sing Christmas songs, to do something that is outside of the norm and, and pushes us a little bit, but it, it bonds us right. together as well. And, you know, when we think about stuff like that, there is a value in in older things. Mm-hmm. There, there's, a, there's a value in those things that root us and anchor us. And so when we recognize that the church... Is not supposed to be an innovative thing. That doesn't mean we we become staid and stodgy and we we don't ever change and we you know we're the frozen chosen and here's how we do everything because it's how we've always done everything. But when we're trying to innovate, we're we're marketing. Right. right. We start right. going into well, how do we get more people? How do we get the youth excited? How do we do this and that? And we start using the means of the flesh, and, and what is sown to the flesh reaps of the flesh. So then we wonder why we have a bunch of people who come, and then they stop coming. And we get, you know, if if that's how we draw people to the kingdom of God, we're not drawing people to the kingdom of God. We're drawing them to a gimmick. To, right. There's there's an event, and when the event stops being cool and novel, then they're looking for the next thing, right. and that's not what the church was supposed to be. So when we look at what happened during the Reformation, as they rediscovered the word, it it caused them to reevaluate their theology. Theology become complex and developed based on human understanding rather than on the, the word of God. And so we have a particular idea, and rather than recognizing that, wait, we think that it says this and that doesn't seem right, well let's create a whole theology to justify it rather than 
let's actually dig deeper into the word and understand that maybe we're not Maybe we're not thinking this the right way. Maybe we need to let the text drive our framework instead of our framework drive how we read the text. So they rediscovered that and it changed their focus, changed how they thought. And then that caused them to rethink the, the nature of worship and the sacraments as they, you know, they were living in a very sacramental, not sacramento, sacramental. They were not living in sacramento. Which is related, but not the same. Um <laughs> And so in this sacramental form of worship that they had with the sacerdotal perspective that it's all about the priest and the clergy and the special powers and privileges and, you know, it's, it's about that guy up front doing all these things. Uh, and I'm, I'm deliberately oversimplifying that. So, you know, if you're upset, okay, email him, feel, not me. feel free. I probably won't respond because if you don't get it, you don't get it. But the... All of those things then caused them to have to rethink their ecclesiology, their, their um, theology of the church and the church polity. How do we run this? How do, how do we govern ourselves? And so you have times of anarchy, and then you realize, well, anarchy doesn't work because anarchy never works. Um, people don't just organically do the right thing. And as they developed a theology from the scripture instead of from the church, then understanding the nature of sin becomes really, really clear from experience and the text. When I recognize all people are corrupt, there are no good people, as Jesus said, There's only, only God is good. So then we do bad things. So we stop just expecting it to organically bubble up goodness and righteousness. And we recognize that God calls us to do things orderly, decently and in good order. And so as we, uh, as we then evaluate the church, we recognize we need forms, we need structures, we, you know, we, we need some, uh, some order. Well, the reformers didn't always get that right. So, you know, you see the, the three big approaches to church polity, the, um, the Episcopal... Uh, idea, the, the Presbyterian idea, and uh, the Congregationalist type idea. Those are, you know, there are variations, obviously, but, but those are the three basic ideas. So the Episcopal is you've got a person who is overseeing, and the Presbyterian is you've got a, a body of people, a, a board or a convention that, that is overseeing. And the Congregationalist idea is that the, the, the body uh, itself, the, the collected membership of the church uh, is has the authority to govern itself. And uh, there are cases to be made for each of these, and, and probably the blending thereof is the, the right thing in many ways. Um, I believe that the Bible puts us in a position where we see, in theory, at the, at the base of it, that a, a mixture of a uh, congregationalist uh, and Presbyterian uh, model fits the biblical picture best. We know that the Bible teaches a plurality of elders. We see that in Acts 20. We see it in, in a number of different places, in, in particularly when Paul sends Titus to appoint elders and, and Timothy is dealing as the pastor there. He's got elders that he's dealing with. And, uh, in, in Acts 20, as Paul is meeting with the elders from Ephesus where he had been leading them, there's a plurality there. And almost always, actually, when we're talking about uh, elders, overseers, 
bishops, pastors, the, the English translation of that word can be different, but it's almost always the same word or a couple of words, and it's almost always in the plural. Uh, so as, as we see that dynamic, that there's a plurality of eldership, um, there, there are different gifts, and Paul is very clear about that, that uh, God has given some to be teachers and elders and apostles and evangelists and all these different things. Um, but the focus of the entire New Testament is the body. The letters are sent to the church, to the members, to the, to the saints. And it, it becomes abundantly clear that church membership matters. And, and that's something that I didn't always uh, believe in my youthful immaturity. Uh, I was like everybody else of my generation and of my age group that said, well, you know, organized religion is just a corruption of, of you know, what God said. And that's not really how they did things in the beginning. Until you actually start to dig down looking at the text. And they clearly did. There was right. an order. There was a structure. There was a hierarchy. Except Even among the 12, when right. Jesus was still walking before right. the church had been formed, they had a treasurer. Well, Jesus clearly could have done any number of things. Right. But he's leading. They have, there's an inner circle. There's one guy that holds the money bags, the, that, you know, the treasurer for them. There's an organization. Even, even mass chaos. Right. Now, the guy that was the treasurer was a thief, but, you know, that well, also speaks to the nature of humanity as well. But, but Jesus, I mean, can we pretend that Jesus didn't know what he was doing? Right. I mean, obviously. That's he, pretty obvious. He, there was a plan here. Right. And so, we see, even in, in his commands, and I mentioned yesterday, um, our, our sermon text yesterday was 1 Corinthians 12, and, and there are, the struggle was trying to figure out, how do I limit this to, to one basic passage so that we can preach through the context of the passage uh, in a topical series? We, right. we believe in expository preaching, uh, yet this is a topical series that we want to take from an expositional perspective so uh, in each of these different areas, we're looking through the lens of a particular passage of Scripture. And so while we started with 2 Kings 22 in, um, in Rediscovering the Word, and we looked at Colossians 2 last week as we were talking about rethinking our worship, and then uh, this time we got into 1 Corinthians 12. And as Paul is dealing with this, the, the clear emphasis even though he's talking about spiritual gifts, that's the context right. of the uh, 12, 13, and 14. Uh, uh, he's really focusing on this. In the midst of the dysfunction of the church at Corinth and all the things that are going wrong, he's rebuking them. He's also instructing them. And so there's a there's a back and forth in his tone where some of it is, um, dear brothers, there's this collegial thing. There's a, you know the the tenderness of a father to children that are that are struggling. And at the same time, there is there's almost a um, there's an authoritative. I almost said wrathful, and maybe maybe that's an overstatement. But there's a, an authoritative rebuke that goes on. You know, hey, stop doing this. Right. Start doing this. Uh, and and he kind of weaves his way through all of those tones in the letter. And here in chapter twelve, there he's saying, look, I don't want you to be confused about spiritual gifts. And he gives a list of these gifts. And then the entire focus shifts so that we see clearly that he's not really focused on the gifts. Hmm. And I think the church has kind of messed that up 
since the 70s, as 70s and 80s, and you know, a number of different prominent teachers where it became the popular thing to do spiritual gifts um, questionnaires and studies so you can discover what your unique spiritual gift is. Some saw it as a mix of gifts and some saw it as one particular gift, but it had to be this one gift that you had to discover. And the longer I study the word, the less I see that there. That sells books and, and gets people excited, uh, and folks have formed entire ministries over it. But that does not seem to be where he's gone with it. Just like when he doesn't give an exhaustive list of sins, he doesn't give an exhaustive list of gifts. There are some prominent gifts that are talked about, and so he addresses them. But his focus is, here's how the body works. Right. And so in chapter 12, especially in uh, verse 12 uh, and following, he Paul says, look, you, you are, you're one body, but you're made up of different parts. You're all individuals. But just like your physical body, in Christ, we're all connected by the same spirit. So in my body, I've got arms and legs and fingers and toes and organs and, and all these things. Right. And, um, and the, same, the same blood flows through all of these parts, right? It, it's all the same. I'm, I'm, it's all one person. So if you cut off my finger, I'm still here. Right. My finger is still me, but as my finger is disconnected from me, it no longer functions, right? The blood stops flowing, and in its disconnectedness, it is going to inevitably die, die and decay, <laughs> right? So the same thing happens in the church. And so he gives us this picture that, yes, diversity, yes, unity, but not by accident. There's, we have to be diligently committed to these relationships. And it, again, it's not a God, there are no accidents with God. So when God designs creation to ubiquitously, repeatedly throughout all of creation, have a system of authority and submission mm-hmm. from, from molecules to galaxies, that God has designed things this way. And he uses marriage and family and parenting as an illustration of his relationship to his people. And he uses submission and authority terms and relational terms over and over and over again. It should not surprise us when that's what he expects in the church. It also shouldn't surprise us as humans when that goes wrong so often because we are horrible. We're horrible at it, especially the thing, you know, and I, I will be the first to admit this too, especially submission. I think in in uh, West, right. Western culture, we have a, a tough time with that, especially. And I think we're supposed to. I, I guess that you know I don't want to go too far off on, on right. that, but you know when we look at the roles that God gives us, uh, you know gender roles that that God has put in place, it's not supposed to be easy. Right. And and if we go back to Genesis three, when the curse comes, it, you know He tells the woman, you know that you you will be. So, you know, under your husband, your right. desire will be for him. There, but there's this resentment that's there, right. that, that it's going to be hard. You're not going to want to submit, right. but this is how it is. But even in the church body, do I mean, how, I don't want to ask how important you think that is, because obviously it's important, but there are some things when you're going through the word that we are to submit to the will of God, correct? So well, yes, right. That'd so be, that seems right. I mean, that's that's yeah. the self-evident thing, but that's not always easy. 
That's, I mean... Well, heck no. So in the church body... Well, would it mean anything if it were? Well, no. would, I, would I actually be submitting to God if God only asked me to do what I wanted to do right, already? exactly. You know? But so there's going to be people... It's like, child, I command you to watch television. No, I don't want to watch television. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You remember... I know this is... We're not supposed to talk about this because it doesn't exist anymore in the world, but Song of the South. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and Br'er Rabbit. Zippity doo Bra- <laughs> This is my childhood. Uh, and, and, and Uncle Remus was a hero. But anyway, when Br'er Rabbit tells Br'er Fox, oh, please don't throw me in the briar patch, you know, which was the one thing he wanted to do. Right. Well, it wasn't, there's no submission to that. Right. It's okay, I guess you can throw me in the briar patch. You know, he wanted to go to the briar patch. But I think that's why things in the church are, I think that's why we've got things like progressive Christianity or whatever, because people are just like, don't really want to do that. Right. So yeah. instead of doing that, I'm just going to... Let me reshape God in right. my image right. so that... Yeah. So as far as church body life goes, I think that's that's a pretty dangerous trend we're seeing. Well, that happens when, you know, again, you see all, all these things are tied together. Right. That happens when we begin to see God as, as a religious hmm. entity. When we start to see Christianity as a religion rather than the core reality of the universe... And we get to live in relationship with an actual person. So then our worship becomes something that we do to garner the favor of this deity that's out there. Right. And and we do that when we get away from God's word and we don't see the reality of who he is. So that he's no longer central. He's something that we want, not someone that we know, right. that, that we're connected to. And so when you look at uh, all of these different uh I'm just going to call them distortions of Christianity. Um, it comes just like you said, because, you know, I see this in the Bible, and I don't really like that. So we're going to toss that. We're going to call it a living document. We're going to, you know, we're going to make it move and breathe because God wants me to be happy, right? This is well, the great lie of our age, that God wants me to be happy. And but that's an easier thing as a... That's an easier thing to convince people of. Sure. Because that's what we want to hear. Absolutely. Why do you think the prosperity gospel is so hugely popular? And you know, and that's it's a great temptation for preachers as they become more prominent, more popular, to gain and maintain that popularity. So now if I say something that's hard, you know, if I say something that people don't want to hear that's offensive, because I know that it's true, but I'm gonna lose followers right. or you know lose readers or lose attendees you know that now i'm going to get canceled all these different things um the, it's really easy to let the truth get pushed aside or or not deny it just not talk about it you know yeah. that's uh <laughs> joel osteen famously famously said i think you know some of my success joel osteen or as i like to call him the tea. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I, I stay in my lane. You know, I don't really talk about yeah, sin. Yeah, I don't yeah, really yeah. talk about these things. Well, sure. I, I think he's 100% right. The popularity comes from I'm saying what you already want to hear. As Paul says to Timothy, as Paul says to Timothy, tickling itching ears, right? So people don't want sound doctrine because sound doctrine requires something of us. Mm. Church life, the body life that is described in the New Testament that we see in in First uh, Corinthians twelve, requires something of us. And Paul sees two uh, pendulum swings here that he addresses in it. And and again, we're we're always seeing this pendulum swing everywhere we go. And one is the the church person who 
feels like they're too small to belong. Mm. They're, they're, they're not adequate. I'm not holy enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not I'm talented enough. not contributing enough. anything. Right. So I'm just going to sulk and, and, and I'm going to isolate. And then I'm going to feel isolated because I have isolated. Uh, and, you know, and, and Paul says, look, just because, you know, you, just because the, you know, the foot says, I'm not a hand, it doesn't make it not right. part of the body. The ear says, I'm not an eye, so I'm not part of the body. No, that's not how it works. It's not about whether you feel significant enough. You are significant because God, the creator, has made you significant, has declared you to be significant, loves you, placed you in the body where he wants you to be, and that is where your significance comes from. Not not in what you own or or your reputation or the praise you get from other people, but what does God say about you in Christ? That's where it comes from. And then the opposite swing of that pendulum is the person that thinks they're too big to right. to need the rest of the body. Well, you know, they're just holding me back. You know, they're just slowing me down. Uh, and in, in some cases, that might be the case. But maybe that's exactly what God wants. Right. Maybe you need to slow down. Because otherwise, it, there's a podcast out there, um, The Rise and Fall of, Mark, of Mars Hill, that looks up Mark Driscoll and all that. I haven't heard it. I hear, hear a lot of people talking about it. And I'm, I'm uncomfortable with it for a lot of reasons. And it might be great. I don't know. I Like I say, I haven't listened to it. But the idea is, we just want to take a look at how did this happen? How do you right. get to a place where this immensely popular teacher who is teaching a lot of really strong truth uh, becomes so popular that then it just explodes and then it collapses on itself right. in, in bullying leadership and all these kinds of things. Uh, and, you know, again, I, there, lots of people have lots of, of opinions. I don't really have a, a huge opinion. <laughs> Now, we all know that's I was not true. Say, don't lie. I, I got lots of opinions about lots of things. But I, I don't know Mark Driscoll. I've never been to Mars Hill. I have never been to Seattle. It's not an issue for me. Good food. Uh, all I'm saying is when, when we begin to focus on our talent, whether we're the leader or we're not the leader, you know, we think we should be the leader, you know, and, and we don't go through the slow, tedious, even sometimes painful discipleship process of living in community where people call us out mm. and call us down and and shrink us and slow us, then we don't grow the way God has called us to grow. There's a right. difference between a a slow cooked turkey and something you throw in the microwave. You know, and we talk a lot about food. It's in gonna here. be a little rubbery. That? You well, know, there, there's just I like it. there's a dramatic difference. There are lots of good things you can have in the microwave, but they're almost never as good as if you were to do it in a slower format. It's like you know? the ultimate form of that is barbecue. I was just thinking the exact low same and thing. slow, baby. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, being a being a beef farmer, <laughs> I I really appreciate a slow cooked meat. You got, and, and I mean, you got. If you're looking at pork, you know. If, if, we if looking at beef brisket. You put it on there for like almost 24 hours right. if you want it to be. Chili is a good picture of this, right? You know, you pe- sit people on the stove all day. You got all the same ingredients, but what matters is how long it's in there. And so. most soups and stews, <laughs> you act, they're actually better the next day because the true, flavors have true. a longer time to kind of marry. Apparently, together. you can have peas porridge in the pot nine days old, but that's, you know what? So anyway. <laughs> uh, I'm, that's how old I am. Goodbye, everybody. So, as we're 
as we're looking at this, those are the two pendulum swings that Paul is addressing in the church. Nobody's too big. Nobody's too small. We all belong together. Everybody has a place in the body. We all belong to one another. As my if, son says, I'm big enough for this. <laughs> <laughs> but because we belong to Christ, we belong to one another. If, if, as we saw in Ephesians, we are all united to Christ, we can't be united to Christ and not be united to those who are united to Christ, mm-hmm. right? So because of that, we each have a place, but we also have a role. Just like my my organs of my body have a job to do, if they're connected but not functioning in that role, then they're dragging down the rest of the body. We call that disease. And that can cause you to kind of step out of your comfort zone too when you discover what that role is because it might not necessarily be something that you... That jumps out at you right away. That's right. You know, and, and you know, it, back to the spiritual gifting. There, there are things that God puts in us for the purpose of use in the church right. that we may have never shown anything right. before. That it didn't come from our natural gifts. It came from a supernatural gift. Right. Uh, I'm not in any way saying that they're always different. Right. But they're not always the same right. either. You know, there, there's a almost proverbial story that that uh, of the person who is like. Scared to death of public speaking, total mm. introvert. They come to Christ. God calls them to preach, and they become a dynamic right, preacher. Right. And their personality is still what it is. Right. But in that moment, they become something else. But it doesn't, you know, a switch doesn't necessarily flip overnight. It takes that constant growth. Right. And and, and again, the slow part. Right. I, and I think that's one of the things that kind of the difference between a pastor and evangelist and this is a difference and it's, this isn't scientific or any kind of thing. This is my take on it. An evangelist. Coming to spread the gospel, can have a lot of quick relationships. Right, you come right. in and, and you have an impact, uh, and, and maybe it's come in and preach and leave. But a pastor has to stay. A pastor needs to stay. Pastor is like the, a pot of chili. <laughs> it, it, you know, that's the person who's, who maybe it's not the preaching. Maybe it's the sitting with you. Right. Uh, you know, with hospice. You know, right. you're, you're doing the tedious. Long hard, thing, hard thing. Sometimes hard. Sometimes you know, but it's it's what God has called right. you to do and gifted right. you for. Uh, our friend Keith Shamanic. Keith and I have very different personalities. Mm-hmm. We're close to the same age. Um, we have similar backgrounds in, in some ways. Uh, he was a pastor's kid. I was Mozzie's kid. So you know, it's a different <laughs> thing. But um, you know, so they moved around. I've always lived in the same place. So there's there's differences. But God's called him to a unique. Right. role as an evangelist that that's his gifting that's what he does he does it well he does it in ways that I, I never could but Keith's personality is not God did not wind him the way he did for him to be in the the slow cooker he, you know, he's he, an instant pot yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> as we see these different giftings the church needs all of these right and if any of us are disconnected, if we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing in the body, it harms us, it harms the body. And, you know, we need to wrap this up, but but part of the nature of this, and this is kind of what Paul is saying here, is this can't be a clergy-driven thing. It can't be, you know, just, you know, the, hey, you need Jesus. Let me tell you how to, here's my pastor, you know, let him talk. It's, it's all of us in it together. Mm-hmm. And... You know, some are called to preach and some are not. So, but we're all called to walk with Christ and to walk together as a body. So I can't be connected to the body if I'm not connected to the body. I can't say, well, I'm a member of the universal church of Christ. 
Well, who is that? God knows those who are his own, but I don't know. I can't say that I'm personally, intimately connected with a believer in China. Right. You know, we are right. we are connected in Christ, but I've never I'll met never them. Never meet that person. I can't. Right. I can't. They. You know, I can't hug them when they're hurting. I can't come alongside them in their grief. I can't rejoice with them at the birth of their child. So all of the one another's of Scripture are experienced and lived out in the context of the local church. And so church membership is important. And as we look at the Scriptures, the things that Jesus requires, the things that Paul uh, instructs us to do can only happen when we have relationships that are connected personally. We know who the group of brothers and sisters is. When we're committed to that relationship, we're going to stay even when it's hard. I disagree with you. You hurt my feelings. I hurt your feelings. But we stay like a marriage uh, and submitted to the authority of first of the Word of God and to the roles that God has given us. So if God has given some to be in leadership, we submit to that leadership. Now, for those of us who believe that the Bible teaches, con- sorry, I didn't mean to move the computer, uh, teaches a congregational form of church polity, uh, which I think the, is increasingly clear to me as a, as a study of, I mean, I've moved away from that because I grew up in a congregationalist mm-hmm. type background and kind of ran away from that because, you know, kind of breaking against framework. Um and I see over and over again in the scripture that this this plurality of elders, the 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 choosing of the elders by not not just an appointment by someone outside, there is an appointment, but also the if I can call it the ratification of that by the body, there has to be a buy-in, right? Right. And so, as we look at all of these things, we have to be submitted within that leadership, but the leadership is also submitted to the body. And all of us submitted to the head, to Christ. So whatever else happens, nobody comes ahead of Christ. We always submit to the highest authority, as we've talked about on the podcast before. So if the leadership is corrupting the word of God, it's our responsibility to call them on that. We can only do that when we are in personal, connected, committed, submitted relationship. So all that to say, you need to, as a Christ follower, if you're going to obey Christ, if you're going to do what you're called to do, you need to be in a formalized, whatever your local church does, however however that works out, some form of a formalized, committed, submitted relationship where you are connected to local believers in your local church, where the, where the word is taught, where you fellowship and worship God together, where you serve in ministry together, and where you are subject to the authority and discipline of the church body. If we're not doing those things, we are actually harming our own ability. We're undermining our own ability to walk with Christ in obedience, but we're also harming the body around us. We need to be able to do that. We will stop there for today. Man, I said we needed to cut it to 30 minutes today. We're at 45 almost. Man. Anyway... We, we can't do it. <laughs> um, maybe next year. <laughs> I blame McDonald's getting rid of the yes. peppermint Sunday. So if you have any questions or comments about today's episode, feel free to email us at somethingreal at reallifeonline.org. Leave a comment on Facebook or YouTube, or you can leave a voicemail. I ran out of breath. With bated breath, we found out what that means today. Um, <laughs> 
I, my aunt Zemma used to speak until she could not. She literally ran out of breath. Then like her voice would get quieter at the end because. Stacy anyway. gave me a Shakespearean education today, so I'm very. And pleased. Google gave it to me. Super happy uh, about this. Anyway, or you can leave us a voicemail at two six nine seven five six RLCC, or you can use the Anchor app if that is how you choose to consume your podcast content. B a t e d breath. Because it's short for abated. Never knew that. Thanks, William. And it was uh, boy, Bill. from uh, from uh, Merchant of Venice. Did was you say that first... earlier? I did. Okay. That was one of the first used, Merchant I of Venice. I should listen more. Well, you're a man, so. Um, if you have a problem with... All masculinity if you, is toxic masculinity. If you want McDonald's to bring back the Peppermint Sunday, email corporate. At... <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> but for real. Uh, so but anyway, for real. Just we... kidding, but for okay, real. Okay, but seriously. Really not, Let's but... bring that back. Um, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Do you have anything else that's on, so on topic? Things. So many things. Okay. Well, we'll have to cover them next week. Uh, and by the way... Do you want to mention if they're in the area about the community Christmas carol thing? Go for it. Because yeah. it's in a couple weeks. So yeah. Yeah. December 5th at Historic St. John's in Three Oaks. Beautiful we'll be, church. We'll be having a, uh, uh, a carol sing. It'll be uh, scriptures and carols. Uh, no sermon, but we'll be reading the gospel story from the gospel or the uh, nativity story from the gospels as we sing together um, as people who just want to worship the Lord. So. 7 p.m. 7 p.m. 7 yeah. p.m. November, December 5th. Sorry. Yep, no, no, no uh, fancy band or anything, uh, piano and, and maybe the pipe organ, if we, if we can get that fancy. to work properly. So. Okay, just a reminder for anybody local. But pipe, if you're in England... Pipe organs can be temperamental. Yes, <laughs> like people. Yeah. Uh, if you're in England, you probably won't come to that. But uh, if you're in the area, go for it, and we will see you there, and we will see you next week. Bye. Ciao.